It was late at night. Super late. Dark. Nighttime. The city was asleep. All the late night buffets had been closed. Children all over town had long since been tucked into their beds, warned not to get up. Getting up anyway because they had to go to the bathroom. Tucked in again, then up again just to get a drink of water. Tucked back in. Then up to the bathroom again, then in the parents' bedroom because they had a bad dream. Then needing some water again. God, I hate kids. But you know who doesn't hate kids? Mike Tannehill, former faith detective. And I was getting closer. I was hot on his trail. I mean, I didn't have any evidence of anything yet. It just felt right. And when you've been at this game as long as I have, you know deep in your quantum-fueled meat puppet heart. That one's for you, Simon. That evidence is for sissies. And I ain't no sissy. I'm Rank McBadden, faith detective. Searching for Mike Tannehill, late at night, like a missionary out way past curfew, one door at a time. Excuse me, sir. I know it's late, but have you seen this man? Go to hell! Thank you very much, sir, and good day. Go to hell, huh? It only made perfect sense, because the devil lives in hell. I knew that beyond the shadow of a fart. And the devil was Mike Tannehill's sworn enemy, ever since Mike kicked him out of his house. So there's motive. He had only wanted to listen to some ACDC with Mike and watch some rated R movies and maybe turn him a little gay. <laughs> but Mike had cast that old wily devil out one too many times. That was before he lost his faith and confidence in the leaders of God's one true church. So it only made sense that in his weakened state, Mike Tannehill would have been kidnapped by the devil and taken down to hell. That's where he was. I was sure of it. I had no evidence, mind you, but evidence is for sissies, and I'm no sissy. I'm Rank McBadden, faith detective, and faith detectives are always confident, confident, dry, and secure. Just like in that old underarm deodorant commercial. <laughs> this is Infants on Thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil sends the beast with wrath because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666.
sitters on thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm the devil. And this is part two in the Infants Gabfest tribute to me. In part one, you heard Matt, Randy, and Glenn talk about hell houses and scare tactics. And maybe you heard a little contention at one point. But just for the record, I'm totally Team Randy. All the way, baby. Now in part two, we bring back Glenn and Matt to talk with Jake, Bob, and Mike Tannehill, who once kicked me out of his house. No kidding. You'll hear about that towards the end. And this discussion is all about me, my backstory, my motivation, and it's full of deep deep doctrine. But first, how about a little joke? Ready? Two Mormon missionaries are walking down the street. They feel especially prompted to knock on this one door. A beautiful young girl answers it, and I mean gorgeous, you know, the kind of woman who makes me wish I had a body, if you know what I mean. Sex. I'm saying I would totally want to have sex with her, if I even really knew what that means. But anyway, the senior companion looks her up and down and says, Hello, we are missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we have a special message for you today, from God. (laughs) Oh, that one cracks me up every time. Take away. louder than your voice practically. Well, wow. well, let's let's get let's get to it. I'll try not to move. Is yeah. this okay. it? Is, is Randy not coming? No, he. That's why he was doing last night because he couldn't make it tonight. So did, was it me or did he uh, lose his shit a little a little uh, quickly? Yeah, you haven't. I, I started listening. There's a whole email chain that you must have not read, Matt. No, no, no. I, I read it, but... Oh, okay. I haven't heard it yet. You guys... He must have lost his shit like 30 minutes in. No, it was, I, it, it was at minute 53, but... Okay. You know, we don't need to talk about it. Well, I mean, All like, right. No, no, no. Let's do an episode just on Randy's blow-ups. <laughs> all 37? <laughs> and splice them together. <laughs> with commentary in between. I felt, I felt like it was like my parents, or it was actually more like your friend's parents yelling at your friend when I, during last night during the, <laughs> the podcast. You're just, I was just kind of there uncomfortable as they were having this, uh, this, this squabble. And I just felt like, come on, guys, can we just get along? Mom and Dad, stop fighting. I liked it when he was like, Matt, back me up. Where have you been, man? <laughs> he wanted <laughs> me just to plow in. What are you doing? Like, ah. Come on. Help me out here. Jeez. What did I miss? What were you guys fighting about? Oh, it, it was I, – I misunderstood something that Randy said. Um, and he misunderstood my response to it, and then we just went at each other a little bit. It was no big deal. It was just, it, it was, it was like he thought I was dismissing the suffering of of people, and I don't think that's what I was doing. But I don't know. 
Oh, I have some insight onto why they had a hard time with you when you first joined the podcast. With with Mormon expression? Ooh. Yeah, I just oh, yeah. I listened to that episode. Yeah. It's that it's your sense of humor. It I no one can tell when you're serious and when you're messing around. At least we couldn't. Yeah, yeah. he's he's very Kaufman-esque and, and not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> like, exactly, like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that's what I think was a lot of the confusion back then is nobody knew what direction you were going to take a conversation because nobody knew if you were joking or were serious. Mm. Yeah. Well. Whereas with you, Mike, we always know you're serious and you back your shit up. I mean, you just <laughs> <laughs> stick hard and firm. You say something racist or homophobic and then the next day you're like, not only that, but this. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so tonight we're talking about... Lucifer, the devil, Beelzebub. How many names does he have? You haven't said Satan yet. Satan. That's like the most common one. Sa- Satan. Did we say the devil? Was it Gog and, Gog and Mammon? Is that one? Gog and... What? That's, not, that's not the devil. That's just the... Was that the world? Yeah, it's more like the, Gog and Magog kind of thing. Aren't they like the generals or something? Yeah, that's more like Armageddon kind of stuff. Legion. Legion, yeah. Like that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I don't have any kind of a a script or a tract or any kind of expectation for how this is going to go. So, do you want to go linear time wise? Yeah, let's just- go. Let's the, let's start at the very very beginning with the devil. <laughs> let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that it makes me laugh, but just I don't know how we can talk. What are we, we're going to talk about saying we're not sure how. Well, let's take it linear. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, where's the beginning with Satan? He would be one of the intelligences that was first organized. That's why he's called the son of the morning. Okay. When, when so God came, what, is, what does that mean? An intelligence that's organized. Uh, when God enters space, there's matter and there's energy and intelligence. And just as God organizes worlds and planets, he also organizes spirits. And Hmm. Satan and Christ... So intelligence is the material that he uses to create a spirit? uh, It would be a spirit, only it is given more light and knowledge to form itself into a regular Do you think it's like, like, you know, we, we know that celestial beings don't have blood coursing through their veins. They have some kind of, like, spirit, like... Spirit fluid, right? It, do you think intelligence is like the equivalent of, uh, uh, like, oh, oh, I forget what it's called, like seminal fluid? <laughs> that that, I, that's I, what I, that is? Like, instead of, you don't have sperm, you have <laughs> intelligence. And that's what you use to impregnate I, the I, spiritual I lives. Intelligence to be like an energy. I mean, I don't I, a different kind of energy, I suppose. I wouldn't know the proper word. But that's how I I figure it. Okay. And it does have a form of matter. The DNC that's does talk about it and define it as light and knowledge. Right. So that's what tell like photons. Yeah. Sure. Sounds great. So in, right. Satan would have been one of the more intelligent ones alongside the Savior and some of the great prophets. But he wasn't Satan then. Uh, Lucifer. Yeah. It was Lucifer. Yeah. Lucifer, which uh, I think is uh, the light bearer or something of that sort, is what that translates to. So he was still the light bearer. He hadn't become the slanderer yet. But so he was of that group. And I had a book here that's called The Forgotten Books of Eden. And 
<laughs> there's an Sounds, account here. There, wait, is, is it literal in its title? Like there's like libraries and stuff that God put in the Garden of Eden. This one's called uh, the first book of Adam and Eve. Oh, who's, who's it written by? Yeah, uh, it's they estimate it was first written down in like the first century A.D. They, wait, 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 wait. They, they, really? They yeah, and then it was translated like in the late 1800s into English. Um, I'm sorry, who's who's the they? Like, I've just never, is it like an apocryphal type? It's an thing? apocryphal book. Okay. It's fan fiction. It's awesome. <laughs> fan well, it, it's it's a pseudepigrapha that that comes from where? Uh, I Wikipedia yesterday, and then I, I lost it. No, you didn't lose it, Mike. I hid it yesterday with your car keys. <laughs> but never mind that. Um, Mike thinks it's legit, so that's good enough for me. So you, you, well, you it, think... It, it, okay. There's parts of it that are total crap. They can tell where the Catholics came in and added some pieces. So, you know, like the old saying that some apocrypha is good, but you have to take it with a grain of salt. That's, that's what God told Joseph Smith. Wow. I haven't heard that saying, but I think that's super cool that you can discern these writings and then just take out the stuff that's like you can you can totally tell when somebody starts adding something in, like you're reading long and all of a sudden it gets real too many adjectives in the in the words okay but uh, so, anyway it says this this is an angel talking to adam he says but now O adam we will make known to thee that what came upon us through him speaking of satan before his fall from heaven he gathered together his hosts and deceive them, promising them to give them a great kingdom, a divine nature, and other promises he made them. His hosts believed that his word was true, so they yielded to him and renounced the glory of God. That so sounds he, legit. Sure. I thought so. There's a lot of stuff in there that's really good. But So he, he, he began to question the Father's plan of salvation and thought he could do it a better way where everyone would be saved. Okay. Uh, then you have to question then if you're if you're forced or coerced into being faithful, then it's not something internal within yourself. So you're defeating the purpose of exaltation. So wait, can we get into this a little bit? Because I've always wondered how exactly would Satan force you? Like I, I I've never really understood how he you could he could force somebody to make good choices. I'm, right. I, I know the answer to that, but I'll I'll wait. No, go ahead. I I think I've said it before. This was one of my pet theories that and and this has no basis except anywhere it, 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 this has no basis anywhere except in my imagination. Okay? So no so, fan fiction to back it up. Okay. This is so, my own fan fiction creation. Uh, you're saying this is a deep doctrine is what you're saying. It could it, if if it was a, if it was adopted and it caught on by so other it people on. it could be considered a deep doctrine. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Got it. Yes. Got it. So uh Satan's plan was that we would come to this earth without going through the veil of forgetfulness. So we would remember our uh, pre-existence and remember God, remember who we were, and that would compel us to never do anything that would uh, cut us off from God. But that that doesn't that doesn't actually apply though, because people still fell away even in the presence of God, right? Right. Yeah, but right. But why did they? I don't, I don't know. know. Because of because pride. They had a- they had a sense of guarantee. They, they, the risk was taken out of, of 
living in a fallen condition. They, they, they what do you had, mean the, the the risk was taken out? They're living in a fallen condition now. They were kicked out of the. Uh, they were kicked out of God's no, this presence is prior, prior to being kicked out of God's presence. Yeah, he so did, he was doing all these conversations before they were rejecting the plan of salvation. So they thought he was bluffing, basically. No, they thought God was bluffing, no. and they wouldn't actually kick him out. They thought they had an option of two plans. They could take Satan's plan that would guarantee them salvation, even though they didn't understand that was impossible. But they saw it as as a, a guarantee, uh, a golden parachute. There'd be no risk on their part. They'd have nothing to lose. But why, why was it? Why would it be impossible to gain salvation in Satan's plan? Because if you're coerced into doing what's right, it's not an internal choice. See, the the whole but idea. How, how is, could you coerce somebody? I I want to play. Okay, go I want to play. Okay, so, so I what just was, don't understand this part. I, I know, really, uh, this I know, is really something that makes no sense. But to you're me. moving really fast, and Mike's okay. answering, and I'm not getting a chance, and it's making me feel so sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so what was your first question? It was. It was because um, it was. It was a really good question. They. How they Satan still. Force people, right? Well, no, it was before the question before that. Um, they. They fell even when they had a fullness of knowledge. When when they were there in their in their first estate and they didn't keep the first estate, so it was still, you know, like having that perfect knowledge and awareness wasn't enough to keep them from from sinning, right? And and so I, I think if I understand your question right, why why would coming to mortality with a full memory of the preexistence keep people from sinning? Because it didn't keep them from sinning when they were there in the preexistence and and having yes. the war in heaven, right? Yeah, and, and so. To, to me, and again, this is my imagination, uh, I, I thought that the, the answer to that question was two things. One, a, a pride, like a sense of pride that Lucifer says, I, I can see this more clearly than God can. Um, but what was driving that was fear, that, that he, he, could, he knew that if people came down with this veil of forgetfulness, then there would be sin, and people would fall away, and they wouldn't be able to return to God, and that that freaked him out. He didn't want this. so like he had this sense of fear, he had this sense of compassion, and so he thought he had a better idea. If they didn't have this veil of forgetfulness, then they'd be able to. You know, this is all just like make believe in my head. Well, yeah, but, but the, you're making Satan into a much more sympathetic character than. Than uh, he's Lucifer. painted in, in typical uh, Mormonism. I yeah. mean, Mike, from your perspective, what what do you? I mean, how 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 do you think that Satan could force somebody to do the right thing? Uh, well, you know how the, the spirit can prompt you. What if the spirit instead compelled you? I don't what, know what that means. Like like, like the spirit mean? comes up from behind you and bear hugs you, and pushes you onto the edge of the carpet. Spirit possesses your body, like in a horror movie. I was go- I was going yeah. all Bednar, was it like Exorcist style. I, I was going well, Bednar. You know, Bednar. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think of what a good example in the being. What's springing to mind is like a junkie that has to have his heroin fix. You have to have this thing, and so if the spirit were to inspire your heart to where you have to seek out the good thing, like like a drug addict, then you're not in control of your making your own decisions. It steals your ability to control your own decisions. Does that make sense? I mean, okay, so making like a physical dependency? Only it would be, uh, you know, just like the Holy Ghost prompts you to do good instead of a prompting. It's a com- – I, I guess you could call it a physical. It's, it's kind of a hard 
because it's. A I mean, because what thing. you're describing, like like what you're describing, is a physiological addiction. That's that's an actual that's a physiological state. Uh, a drug addiction is. And as a as a child of the '80s, I always heard a correlation drawn to communism, like coming out of Russia and the Soviet Union, and Satan's plan of coercing people to to do it, where you don't have freedom. There's, there it is. That, the I mean, TBM whisperer is alive. Well, okay, thank you, but I'm I'm just going on memory of of what I. So, I do you heard. think it would be fear fear based, like in communism, as opposed to fear based in to Mormonism? I, I guess you. I right, because I, I, I don't know. I, I I I have a hard time modeling, but I, I this is I don't I don't know if there's really an answer to this, so we can move on. I don't want to bog us down too much in this particular detail, but it's one thing I've already I've always wondered about. And they said Satan would make us his slaves. Well, how how? What are you talking like? What what would be the mechanism that would compel somebody to do the right thing that isn't already in place? From a religious standpoint, because if you talk about fear and raising the stakes really high, well, we already have that, right? You can become a son of perdition. You'll burn in hell for all eternity. Like those, it seems like every mechanism to control people is already in place. So right. you, don't, and, you don't like my veil of forgetfulness uh, idea, huh? Well, it doesn't make sense because people are people fell away even without the veil of forgetfulness. So I don't understand that that wouldn't have been a, a compulsory move anyway. But but for, first of all. It didn't happen, but 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 secondly, in 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 this imaginary thought experience uh, or experiment, the the reason that they did was because of the the pride and the fear of what was to come. So you, you, I mean, you remove understand. that once you're in mortality. Wait, pride and fear would be removed, but your knowledge would remain intact perfectly. Right, because because you're why because Lucifer was saying, God, I've got a better way to do it. So he was in conflict with God. But if God said, okay, we're going to do it your way, then you've removed the conflict, and so you don't have that pride, and you don't have that fear, because the fear was, we're going to go through a veil of forgetfulness, and we won't get back. But if you don't have to go through the veil of forgetfulness, then great, you got your way, and you're not afraid anymore. See, the veil of forgetfulness, though, is an important thing to have, because part of this life is the compression of time, and that puts a, uh, importance on your actions. If you have a memory of eternity— and the foresight that eternity is there, it takes away from the compression of time, and this life isn't as much of a test. Right. I, I just have a quick question. If uh, we were living under Satan's plan, there'd be less poverty, right? Because he would just be taking care of us more physiologically, because if he's going to give us impulses to compel us to, to feel good and do the right thing, he can go ahead and feed us and clothe us. And so that you know, billion people at the bottom of the world population at any given moment of time, they'd, they'd be better taken care of You're through right. plan. You're right. He equalized misery instead of minimalizing it. Or they'd just, everybody would average out into the middle and back to the communism thing, right? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, are you familiar with the My Turn on Earth songs? And, and when... Lucifer and Jehovah are having their argument in the pre-existence. Yeah, yeah. Two of our older brothers were there, Jesus and Satan. Satan was the first one to speak. He said, I have a plan. It will save every man. I will force them to live righteously. They won't have to choose not one we will lose 
yours and give all the glory to me. Give it to me. This is the way. Not a thing you will pay. Any problems and pain will not be. No wars and no strife. A wonderful life. And give all the glory to me. Give it to me. Yeah, and, and so the thing that Lucifer says is, you know, I promise you peace, happiness, all of you. You'll all be taken care of, and you'll all return here without difficulty. Follow me. Sounds, sounds not too bad. I know, right? <laughs> but then free agency, right? That's where we, we come back to, um, that's why we need God's plan, because freedom. Did, did, did my explanations help at all, Jake? Or I mean, like, I, I, I'm not asking you to accept this as truth, because I don't accept it as truth. But but th- this this no, was the way that even, it, it made. It, but even even within the confines of, of the way that that this this narrative is told within Mormonism, your explanations still don't close all those all the plot holes for me. That's right, Jake. Don't believe Glenn. Don't accept any of those mental gymnastics he uses to help believers keep believing. You go your own road. Your own road. <laughs> but I, I, it's I, for me. I don't think there is any closing the potholes because it's kind of a. It's it's a very. I mean, it's just a, it's a made up story. I guess I don't. I don't really know how it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't, well, I don't let, know how well, else to even look at let it. Let Mike tell the second part. So then, right, right. You tell the second. Well, part. think think about the father. Just just to carry on this theme, just a little bit more. Think about the father and his life's goal is to bring about the immortality and eternal life of man. And you know the difference between immortality and eternal life. And saint that has to come from an internal desire to do be that kind of a person. No, it doesn't. So what, Satan offered another plan, and presumably it was possible. So if but we're going to go with that scripture. That, they would eventually leave Satan's presence just as we would eventually leave the Father's presence. And if it's not internal, then they don't have it. it. If it's not coming from within, then they're not truly an exalted type being. So you're saying it's the process that's important. I, I always was confused by that scripture because I thought like, oh, this is your, your purpose, immortality and eternal life of man, and you have the whole universe and you can create and assign matter in any way you want. Boom! It's that, done. It's the end result. What? Why is that the? Why is that his purpose? That, that order and happiness is is the creative process. It, it's improving and building up everything and everyone around him, and that all kind of comes from an internal weight within him that he tries to instill in us so that we can be creators. I, I don't know what you just said, Mike, but but the 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 question that you asked, Bob, I, I teased an answer. In one of our emails recently, um, what, what was? Oh, you you told me that the Hell House that we recorded three years ago was pretty bad, right? But then right, I had to go sure. and listen to it the first twelve minutes, and then I like come to the conclusion. You're like, well, isn't that what I told you? And my response was, well, some things you just have to gain through experience in order to get it. And so that was always the explanation to me as to why God, the um, omnipotent, omniscient, couldn't just poof celestial beings into existence. The, the, like the process of becoming an, an immortal and eternal celestial being was personal experience and, you know, 
stubbing your toe, repenting, stubbing your right. toe, repenting, and all and that stuff. Gaining that, uh, infants, infants on thrones don't have to go through yeah, right, loopholes, right. and there's like right. 27 other ways no, that it doesn't matter. True. What's not true? If a child dies, then he's going to be raised in the millennium. To it's not just automatic eternal life. That that. Right. Then then Satan's loose for a season and then they're tempted. And then if they pass that, then they get in. Uh Everybody has to prove they have the internal fortitude to seek after the things the father seeks. But it's going to be like super easy at that point for those kids. Yeah, they've already seen Jesus. They've already seen yeah, because they've already seen Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So, well, here's the thing. What about God's plan is so optimally set up to create? Like, why does it have to be exactly the way it is? To uh, to create the conditions for eternal life, right? And why are there only two options? I guess uh, I don't understand why the veil exists. Because if people fell away in God's presence, doesn't that indicate that the veil doesn't prevent you from falling? Like, why? Oh, what this, is the is point why, of the veil of forgiveness? This is why you have to repent in this life, and why it's so hard to repent outside of this life is because the the short time we have that 70 years for a lot of people that you know they have the like the horse blinders on this is all there is and so your actions carry more weight your decisions carry more weight and you can more quickly see the result of your actions if you have if you're living in the eternities time is stretched out and it, it loses its importance and meaning to do things quickly in the now but doesn't oh, why, why have the veil of forgetfulness though? You could still be mortal without having the veil of forgetfulness though, right? And still be susceptible to temptation. I mean, Satan and the, and the third of the hosts of heaven already demonstrated this. Uh, the and, compression of time makes sin more visible, makes goodness more visible. If if the veil's there, it, it puts a whole different perspective on the situation. But why why is sin more visible and goodness more visible if you can't see? The source of it, and you don't know the source of it. Like with the veil of forgetfulness, I mean, it would be much. It, it, the, that choice would be much clearer, and then you'd be able to make that decision. Well, that's right? just it. The, the idea is that you're acting on your own without God staring over your shoulder. Like we here live by faith, but I mean that that was one of. But weren't they live? Weren't they living by faith? Like weren't weren't the people in the pre mortal existence living by faith as well for whatever God promised them in the future? I mean, isn't that why they made the decision that they made? Yeah, but that's faith going forward. We're we're living by faith. We're living retroactive faith, and both behind and before. We're we're kind of on our own, and that's how God wants it because He eventually wants us to be on our own, and to show that we can do things on our own without Him staring over our shoulder. That's the that's part of the purpose is that we're showing our internal fortitude. So what, how how does Satan factor into like this this the test of life then? That's actually one of uh, I was going to talk about this later, but we can talk about it now. When when Satan comes to Christ and gives him the three temptations, what you're talking about is the second temptation. You remember when he told him, "I'll take you to the pinnacle of the temple and throw you off." Right, and then you know, call upon the angels to save you, and that type of thing. Right, and Why? turn this bread into and turn the stone into bread, and that type of that was that, the first that, one. Yeah. Okay. The, Why was the second one a temptation for Christ? I don't remember. It, uh, the idea was that everyone would see him falling from the temple because it's such a conspicuous place, 
And he said, the promise God gave you was that the angels would come and save you. And then when everybody sees you saved, then everybody's going to believe in you and follow you. But that's that uh, that's the temptation for Christ because he's also living by faith. You know, the veil was on Christ as well. And so for God to send angels would, would prove to him in a physical way that he was the Son of God and that the Father is real, as opposed to Christ living by faith. And also, it, it's kind of a, a cheap way to get followers, because they're, then they're following a sign as opposed to an internal change in their heart by the, yeah, of the Holy Ghost. God yeah, but Laman and, signs. Lem- well, Laman and Lemuel saw an angel, and they, fell, and they eventually fell away, right? I mean, it's, it seems like everything, the, the whole, every reason why certain things are withheld, every there's reason why— There's a counterexample. Right, there's a counterexample where that wasn't withheld— but you still had the same outcome as before. Well, that's, like I, I just don't understand what even. There's no guess, such thing as cheap grace. There's no such thing as cheap salvation. Salvation has to be earned through faith and experience and trial for it to be of any value. It, cheap, cheap grace isn't isn't anything to seek after, and that's what Satan tempted the Savior with was. You'll get some cheap followers, and you'll get some cheap reassurance because you've tested God in a manner that was improper. The, the, the point of this life is to learn that you have to be patient in the things of the Spirit and carry on being good despite all these horrible things going on around you. I think the disconnect here is Jake is looking at things from like a logical, <laughs> scientific perspective, and, and Mike, you're speaking in like, platitude language like if you're good then goodness happens and i don't know it's like i I, actually you're you're way more eloquent than that i'm trying to i'm trying to say that just religion in general has these answers that are kind of fuzzy and they they're self-referential and then jake's like but i have counter examples and i'm like jake you just used like a scientific thing that's weird for a religious good is good type of discussion well religion's supposed to embrace science as well so it okay well we're trying but I feel like we're crashing and burning. So let's yeah, go back. I want to hear I, demon stories. I'm sorry. I keep. I keep. I've got I, two I of those. Yeah, go we ahead. should be talking about demon stories. <laughs> Matt, Matt the jock wants to hear demon stories. Right. Where are the explosions? What's the Michael Bay version of this conversation? Well, do, do we want to go to Adam and Eve next, or do we want yeah, to skip on sure. to? Uh, yeah, I'm it. sorry. I, I I derailed us there. Let's go, let's keep going. Well. Uh, in the temple, we get Satan showing up in the in the Garden of Eden and uh, tempting Eve. So, what what was the temptation of Eve? Does anybody want to go into that? Just explain it for us. We're going to guess wrong now at this point in our lives. <laughs> Are you that far removed from the spirit? Kinda, I guess. To be honest, none of us believe it's real. Mike, but, you but, can repent. You can repent. We, I know, we can't. But we, no, but you can't. We can't. We can't go back and like I can. I can pretend, but uh, like no. But then Mike's going to like drop. There was. The there was no. There was no. There's a chance. Devil giving the fruit to Eve. No, but I want to hear what Mike's saying. I want to hear what he's saying. What is? What was Eve's temptation? Okay, so the father had the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and he told them they can't partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. To stay away from it. So Satan either I'm fuzzy on whether or not it was symbolic of a serpent, or if he if he uh, spoke through a serpent, like uh, <laughs> like Legion possessed uh, the swine. 
Yeah, it, it's not important. Or it's bailing like science donkey. Science want to know, but it's no big deal. Yeah. So the temptation to Eve was, go ahead and partake of the tree. You're you you're supposed to do it anyway. I th- I think though, Mike, that it probably was really a serpent because Adam and Eve would have known that they were the only two people, and so they would have been kind of suspicious if they would have seen another like human being walking well, around. Well, they saw in the, the father and the son. Probably more more the son than the father, and, and, and you know, I'm sure there were angels from time to time. Oh yeah, you're probably right, angels. But um, okay, you got me. It it it, it is a, a point of conjecture. But then what happens? So Satan tempts Eve, and she and she says, "Well, you're right. I should take of this fruit and become like Father in heaven." And so she bites it and eats it and takes it to Adam, and Adam's like, well, "What have you done?" Because Adam Adam is known as being perfect almost Christ-like, aside from this one sin. And so mm-hmm. he he partakes of it to because he's supposed to stay with her. God gave her to him, and if she's fallen, he needs to stay with her, so he partakes of the fruit. Is, is so, Eve known for anything in the same way, or just for the, the fuck-up? Well, that's the thing, though. In Mormon theology, she—well, what verse was that in the Scriptures? Do you guys remember? Is it in Moses? I think it's like Moses 4 or 5. Uh, were it not for our transgression, we would never have fallen. And the, to me, this has taken way too long to get to the good stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, what is yeah, the good stuff in your? In your it was a the, bad move. Yeah, the that, sin obviously wasn't in partaking of the fruit; it was partaking it in that way because obviously God was going to have them fall, but probably in a different manner. So here's 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 what the good stuff is. The good stuff is who is the devil right now, and how is he influencing our lives? No, that was Bob. No, well, I, I laughed. I did. I did the Ernie laugh. <laughs> so, so to to me, the good stuff is like what is Satan doing today? Like, what what, are, yes. what 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 are the manifestations of Satan in people's lives? Like, what motivates him? How is how is he relevant to anything that's going on in our daily lives now? Because all of this stuff about like. Adam and Eve and pre-existence is just so far remote. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. No, it totally does. No, I, okay. I disagree, Glenn, right. because this the pre- the premise of his whole origin story sets the tone for okay. whatever you know his motivations for whatever he's doing now. And I think I'll, for I'll, me, I'll trust. Your I realize instinct, how Jake. nonsensical that whole story. What was that? I said I'll trust your instinct on it, but I just don't find it very interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can, we can chop it down, but I think that the whole—I mean, the fact that the that the that the origin story of Satan is so nonsensical to me is why it was so hard for me to buy the idea of a, of an actual malevolent force in the world now. But when? But when? Did, and, and this is getting to the things that I'm more interested in. When did that shift happen for you? Like, when did you stop believing in the devil, and why did you stop believing in the devil? So it was because of these these incongruities in the story that you just started thinking, wait, that that's silly. It doesn't make sense. I don't accept that anymore. Or were, were, was was there something else? Well, I guess it was kind of a, it, it was the catalyst for me was thinking about whether or not I believed that there was some sort of singular source of all evil, and. When that started to chip away for me, I started to look back into like the theory. I mean, in, into the origin story of Satan, and then it kind of all kind of crumbled together. I think they kind of, it was kind of this this uh, positive feedback loop where the Satan's motivations didn't make sense, and so the belief in a modern, you know, current Satan didn't really make sense. 
which made his motivation seem even more weird. And so it just kind of fed off itself and, and crumbled that way for me. Can I read you a quote that ties into what you said? You said a singular source of evil. This, yeah. this, is, from, this is from Don Carlos Smith. He said, uh, Satan was generally blamed for the evils which we did, but if he was the cause of all our wickedness, men could not be condemned. The devil could not compel mankind to do evil. All was voluntary. Those who resisted the Spirit of God would be liable to be led in temptation. And then the association of heaven would be withdrawn from those who refused. So basically what saying is God or Satan is not the source of all evil. We do the evil. All he does is prompts us like the Holy Ghost does. I hated this. I'll tell you well, why. I struggled with this growing up. The This is the conflict between natural man versus singular, singular source Satan. And, and the lines blur, and I, I was always confused by God's plan because it wasn't clear to me when it was my own selfishness or just the, the you know, evolution of man that was dictating my reactions to different environmental variables happening around me versus Satan coming in and doing something. And I, and I just didn't understand what God wanted from me, because if I'm naturally this perverted way, and then Satan is there to pervert me even more. Okay. I need a better word. That word's kind of misused now. <laughs> um, it, but you know what I but mean? But it's like, applicable these, in all it, of its it uses. Is. Yeah. But see, all, all those things are true. It's it, evil okay. existed before Satan. Evil is just is just breaking laws, and people were doing that before Satan came into existence. What, what came What came first, laws or evil? Uh, laws. Well, and and well, do, no, do you I mean, do, do you subscribe, Mike, to the the doctrine that uh, Elohim, or you know, God the Father, was a man that went through a mortal life, and w- yes. was it was it similar to this life where there was a a Satan or a devil figure in that one that was tempting well, him he, and playing the same role? I I would suppose there'd be someone like that, but I, evil is just like rocks and water and rocks and trees and trees and rocks and rocks and trees and trees and rocks and water. You know, it, it, it's just always existed. There's not nobody created really? evil. So, nobody so, created evil. So, God did so not create Lucifer. Evil. Satan is not the father of all lies. That's just a a title. So when he's yeah, when he's title. bound in the millennium, you're saying evil will still exist. What what does that world look like where Satan isn't influencing people, but there's still people doing evil things? I'm curious well, that, the difference of evils. That would be that would be something that would have to come internally as opposed to a prompting, because the, the spirits of the evil all around us prompting us and pricking our hearts, just like the Holy Ghost tries to prick us to do good things. I love that question though, Bob. Wait, like what what are some yeah. of the sins that people would be committing in the millennium? Like not not going to the temple and doing temple work for their ancestors, but playing Skyrim or you know blowing yeah. off, right? PlayStation Nine. Yeah, like be, being lazy and not fulfilling their callings, which isn't isn't something yeah, that they're being sins, tempted. Sins of om- sins of omission. That's the only thing you could commit, then, right? Well, but didn't, did, haven't you ever heard the idea that? Satan being bound in the millennium was a function of the righteousness of the people, not right, necessarily yeah, yeah. of him being locked down or something. Right. That's what oh, I was going to yeah. say. It, who's, who's operating in that time period would be people that had already proven themselves to be... That's convenient. I thought this was all about free choice. I mean, why would that be the case automatically? That is, they're, they're acting on their free choice. No, but why would we know that? Why, why is that the inevitable conclusion of when good people are the most righteous so conveniently for God's plan that's like, you know, 
letting people run wild and bump into each other and do things on their own? How, how does he reconcile chaos into, oh, it's the millennium, people need to be the most righteous? Oh, and by the way, that's just after the world is the most wickedest it is now, right? Right, Mike? Right now, you know, do I need to show you all the conference talks about how <laughs> wickedness is taking over the earth? But wait a few years, it's going to be totally the opposite superlative, super, super righteousness, extreme yeah. 180. But the stuff that goes on between now and then is is insane. It's, you know, global destruction and plagues. Yeah, and I think that's a good word for it. What's that? <laughs> insane. Yeah. <laughs> Not That's planned what we went over in that last day's episode that I think right. was yeah. really tough to get through. But then, to. then who are the righteous ones if that insane stuff happens right before everybody's super, super righteous? Like, how do you have it both ways? Uh, I'm trying to think who gets to live during the millennium. But if, if they're one, the spirits that were reserved for that time period, they're ones that have already proven themselves, basically. Is this like no? Wait, but how can you... <laughs> Sorry, go, Jake. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, okay. I, I'm sorry. No, no, it's gonna I, take I us down. what you're saying. It's going to take us down a weird path. How can you prove yourself if the proving ground is mortality? Well, it's the same like, way. Like, I thought that saw, was the point. It's the same way we saw the Savior was chosen to be the Messiah in the preexistence, the same way Abraham was chosen. That You can see by their nature that they're going to be that but, type but, of person. But hang on a second, Mike, because every single person who gets their patriarchal blessing is promised that they'll be raised <laughs> in the morning of the first resurrection, which which means that we, ostensibly, would be part of this hand-picked few that would live for the entire millennium because we're, you know, if, if we're alive when it happens, we'll be, what, what, what is it, uh, translated in the twinkling of an eye, like a, you know, grow to the age of an oak tree you know, or something like that. And then, right, and right. then we'll, we'll just trans transform. So we'll, we won't taste of death and you're, you're good. You're good. But people who had died then would be raised in the morning of the first resurrection and would be part of it. So th- does that answer your question, Jake? It, no, it's, Jake's, it's, 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 Jake's it's a question. Mormon, it's a Mormon thing. You have to have gone through, get, had your baptism, so that frees you from the bonds of spirit prison. And so if you're in spirit paradise and you've already had this sealed on your head that you're going to be, you know, come forth in the morning of the first resurrection, I think everybody in paradise does, actually. But then people in spirit prison, now they're going to stay in there for a time, but they can come in, you know, like the afternoon of the resurrection or something like that, like later towards the end. But the, the, the point is, is that it's a resurrection. And Jake's point was, I thought we just wasted all this time figuring out that mortality is required for whatever random reason but by the way but he's but, but, but the way i took that was him saying people that are born into the millennium like what it's not just people who are born is that what you meant in, jake it he, he, well i mean that that yeah that is what i meant by born into the into the millennium so basically they, they there's never some people lived in mortality they, yeah like they never experienced mortality the way that the rest of us are Right, through God's plan, that's the only way it can be. Which except is the only way that not. you, yeah, except except for these these chosen few that kept their first estate in such a way that that yeah, I mean that that was always a really weak part of the millennium because it's like oh no they'll they'll still be mortal when they live there so they'll still have to choose between right and wrong but there won't be a devil there to tempt them and so it'll yeah. Yeah, it'll be every it. child that ever died it is. before it's, it's, eight. It's it's a tricky explanation. It was even as a believer for me. Yeah, that's that's that that was one that I always had a hard time wrapping my head around. Yeah, I never got that far in my book. 
<laughs> he was his fan fiction book. Yeah, he was like I, I I wrote like a book about the pre-existence. I was trying to do the oh, the, the Mormon version of Paradise Lost. Oh, cool. Yeah, it wasn't. It was really really cheesy. <laughs> it could have been good yeah. if you would have stayed. If you would have no. All right. Trust Where me. Were we, another, Mike? I found another really cool part about Satan's viewpoint towards the people of Earth. Okay. Um, let's see what verses seven and eight. But Satan, the hater of all good, thought within himself, whereas God has promised salvation to Adam by covenant, and that he would deliver him out of all the hardships that have befallen him, but has not promised me by covenant, and will not deliver me out of my hardships, nay, since he has promised him that he should make him and his seed dwell in the kingdom in which I once was, I will kill Adam. The earth shall be rid of him, and shall be left to me alone, so that when he is dead, he may not have any seed left to inherit the kingdom. And that shall remain my own realm. Wait, God this will then is, be in want of me, and he will restore me to it, it, my host. This is coming from that apocryphal book that you talked about earlier? It is. Okay. He, he, right. he thought if he could kill Adam's children, that he and his the third that fell with him would then inherit the earth. So, so you believe if, that this is, this is accurately depicting Satan's motivation at the time of Adam and Eve? You think this is, this is real? At the time, yeah, because the, the book goes in about uh, six instances where he tries to kill Adam. So I'm going to pull him back. Wait, so so the book like, is proof that the book's assertions of his motivations are true. Yeah. And I just thought it was an interesting insight. I mean, you can take it for what you will. Why, why, why was Satan such an ineffective murderer? Like, how, how difficult is it for him to really kill somebody? Why is that tough? Uh, God protected him. God, each time, I mean, he actually was going to kill Adam uh, in a couple of and God intervened. He'd send an angel or someone to. But then, Satan out, and then he would save Adam and Eve. So it's almost, my, it's almost like the, the book was written as a way to comfort people who read it that God would save them in their lives. No, it oh, doesn't. That's not what, okay, no. It, it, so, it talked about the necessity of Adam. But so when does, when does Satan turn into Mr. Boogity? Like he goes from being an intelligent person who shows up and is like, I think you should do this. And then he goes to, blah, 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 you're possessed. <laughs> Actually, yeah. the possession, like with, with Legion, those were Satan's uh, angels that fell with him. That wasn't him. Why is that effective? Why why isn't he like treating us like intelligent people, like we are? What's why is Mister Boogity the better route for him nowadays? Uh, it's not. He he's still the conniving Rolling Stone song devil, where he's a man of wealth and taste and sly and cunning. So he's both. Wait, wait. Well, the demons were the Boogity men. The ones okay. that would the less intelligent hosts that followed him are the ones you usually see doing the boogity boogity stuff. And um, so those those are his henchmen. The henchmen are doing the boogity boogity, but he is, you know, he's the uh, Marlon Brando, you know, quietly <laughs> conniving in more intelligent ways, making offers you can't refuse, that type of thing. Exactly. So um, there's a, there's an actually. Uh, you're talking about what's the ghost stories, devil stories. I have the one here from uh, Preston, England, or I thought it was Scotland, but where was it? Preston somewhere. Is it? Heber like, C. Kimball and oh, okay, uh, that's legit. Sure. Orson Pratt and Joseph Fielding Smith were attacked by evil spirits. Did you guys want to go into that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, better than uh, what we've see. been doing so far. <laughs> Dude, I find this very interesting, but apparently it's boring. Sorry. Right, um, right. They obtained lodging in a house uh, on St. Wilfred Street, and they liked it. They said it was a comfortable private lodging. Um, 
Sunday, July 30th, about daybreak, Elder Isaac Russell came up to the third story where Elder Hyde and myself were sleeping. This is Heber C. telling the story. And called out, Brother Kimball, I want you should get up and pray for me that I may be delivered from the evil spirits that are tormenting me to such a degree that I feel I cannot live long unless I obtain relief. Uh, I had been sleeping on the back of the bed. I immediately rose, slipped off at the foot of the bed, and passed around to where he was. Elder Hyde threw his feet out and sat up in the bed. And we laid hands on him, eye being mouth, and prayed that the Lord have mercy on him and rebuke the devil. You know, this, is, this, this could all be interpreted as just a euphemism for jerking off and, like, he couldn't... No, no. <laughs> Lay hands while on him. Engaged, while thus engaged, <laughs> giving okay. him a blessing, he was struck with great force by some invisible power and fell senseless onto the floor while he was getting ready to give a blessing. So an evil spirit actually struck um, uh, Heber C. Kimball. Mm. I've, got, says, I've, got, uh, I've got a question here. Uh, remember the movie Ghost? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, and and the guy on the subway, you know, he can like interact with matter, and so Patrick Swayze's like trying everything he can do to concentrate on that penny and get it to to move, right? So right. So th- this is like some spirits can actually interact with matter. Some of these demons, and they can push you on the floor. That well, can remember, happen. Joseph Smith said all spirit is matter. Okay, it's only it's a different quality. Okay, terrific. So it it can actually push you and shove you down on the floor what why does it why struck does, him and knocked him senseless cool so why doesn't it pick up a knife and stab him in the heart or slit their throat while they're asleep why doesn't that happen uh, or why does it why doesn't it make them win the lottery so that they get you know they they waste the rest of their lives on whores and and brandy yeah satan hook me up like what, one of the things in that book where he's trying to kill Adam, they do things like they throw a giant rock on them, and God has to pull the earth down under Adam so it doesn't crush him. They start a fire. Wait, 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 wait. So you believe that? You believe that God actually made the entire earth move? To, he to, made the to ground under Adam like an lower, earthquake. So that the, the rock that was falling wouldn't crush them. Hmm. That's what the, the, the book said. Well, if you of course, it's, it's, a, it's a product of its time. And, you know, <laughs> a product of its time. Yes. It, has, it has an explanation for every natural disaster. Do, what happened? So when is, is a hurricane like God's tears or like what? Let's let's run through <laughs> God's tears. <laughs> let's, let's run through everything that happens that has like now a scientific explanation and, and explain it in like a metaphysical God shaking the globe sort of way. Well, I think God can do that when he wants to, but I think for the most part, weather just does whatever it wants. I don't know how much God purposely causes the storm unless I, I still, he's trying to get something accomplished. You know, I, I asked Jake, I asked everybody uh, the question earlier, like, when did you lose your belief in Satan? And and for, for me, I, that was one of the first things to go for me, and a lot of it was the fear leaving. Like, I started going, okay— he can't really do anything to me, right? Like, there's not like there. There's so many times in my life that I'm vulnerable and I'm just a sitting duck for some demon to come up and just smother me with a pillow in my sleep, and yet it doesn't happen. You know, and and like, what are the worst things that the devil could actually do to me? I mean, maybe it's you know tempting me so that I I sin and I I spiritually die instead of physically die. I don't know, but. Well, the other account I was going to mention was uh, Hubie Brown's, the night he was called to be an apostle. He got a phone call and said, come to Salt Lake, you know, you're going to be an apostle. And he Mm -hmm. said that night he was praying and and studying and whatnot, and the room he was in, he said a presence came in the room, and it was so foul 
it caused a huge depression and and he just felt like he was going to die and he said his wife came in the room to check on him and she's like what is in this room when she stepped in like what is that feeling and he's like you know call so and so and have them pray for me and you pray for me and there's something foul in this room and i feel like i'm gonna die see and i hear that mike and and all i think is that hubie brown was very familiar with the first vision narrative and he knew that you think he was lying i don't think he was i don't think he was lying but i i think that he was embellishing and i think that he was telling the story from his memory and i think if he if he was having anxiety and anxiety and kind of a panic attack and like holy crap, this is a huge responsibility for me now. And, you know, a a very normal reaction would be some kind of, you know, it just like hits you. But he interprets that that as, oh, this must be like when the devil was trying to stop Joseph Smith from praying out loud so that none of this would ever happen. And now something like that's happening to me because I'm pretty special like that, too. Apparently. Totally co-signed well, that. Okay, well, I, I have I actually have my own story about well, what, the devil. <laughs> Love it. Let me just, I, I haven't finished the one. Where okay, okay, sorry, the, sorry for interrupting. I haven't ahead, got go to the good part yet. Okay. Um, after he's we knocked know. to the floor, what, what's that? I said, Are we, we going know. back to the first one? No, the, no. The, the Hebrew C. Kimball, knocked to the yeah. floor. Hebrew C. Kimball, yeah. knocked to the uh-huh. floor. He said, the first thing I recollected was being supported by Elders Hyde and Richards, who were praying for me. Elder Richards, having followed Russell up to my room, Elder Hyde Richards then assisted me to get on the bed, but my agony was so great I could not endure it, and I arose and bowed my knees and prayed. And I then arose and sat on the bed when a vision was opened to the minds of all those in the room. Ooh. And we could, dis- we could distinctly see the evil spirits who foamed and gnashed their teeth at us. I saw their hands, their eyes, and every feature of their faces, the hair on their heads and their ears. In short, they had full form bodies. We gazed upon them about an hour and a half by Willard's watch. We were not looking towards the window, but towards the wall. Space appeared before us, and we saw the devils coming in legions with their leaders who came within a few feet of us. Wait, wait, came... a staring contest for 90 minutes? Like, we, we gazed upon, that's it? He's like, yeah, it's about 90 minutes, we were gazing. Like He says, what? they came towards us like armies rushing to battle. They appeared to be men of full stature, possessing every form and feature of men in the flesh, who were angry and desperate. And I, Kimball, shall never forget the vindictive malignity, malig- mal- vindictive malignity, dis- depicted on their countenances as they looked me in the eye and any attempt to paint the scene which then presented itself or portray their malice and enmity would be in vain. I perspired exceedingly, my clothes becoming as wet as if I'd been taken out of the river. I felt excessive pain and was in the greatest distress for some time. Wow. Yeah, you know, this this is one of the reasons why I told that bullshit ghost story that I told when I was, you know, 16, 17 years old that a, an evil spirit came to me. And I... I drew on this as a source for describing, you know, when, when this false angel of light transformed into the dark evil, you know, because I, I was familiar with these stories and these depictions. So in my case, I know that I was lying. In, in their case, I don't know that they're lying, but it just, it doesn't, I don't believe it. And it, it's not... It's not. It's just stupid. They they looked like they were armies. What are they going to come and do again? I mean, why not take these swords that they have as armies and stab them through? 
what, yeah. what, what, well, what are they what are they trying to do and so i can i can imagine that they're like freaked out and they're you know they're i, I don't know there were people that had shared visions and stuff in the kirtland temple there's other examples in the history of the church where people would say i see this do you see this and yeah and they're helping to create this vision with their spiritual eyes or something i don't i don't know and but did you guys ever have like a backwards entitlement to this kind of thing like i remember at some point wondering when this was going to happen to me because yeah. you okay, know my well, righteousness was to... uh, okay go ahead go go jake well I, I i brought this up earlier but i got steamrolled before but this is relevant to this <laughs> yeah i'm not going to steamroll you I, I steamroll people all the time. I'm an asshole, so it's fine. I deserve it. But <laughs> I had this experience on my mission where I was where I was asleep, um, and uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I just felt like this over just this abject terror and and horror that something was behind me, looking at me, and was just and and, and I was paralyzed. I was really freaked out. It was one of the most frightening experiences of my life. I go back to sleep and I kind of forget about it. The next day I'm up, I'm eating breakfast, and my companion out of nowhere says, hey, did you uh, did you feel that last night? And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I, I actually couldn't remember at that point. And then he said, the evil eye. And I was like – and I was like – I mean it was like – it was a very uh, – it was a very uh, surreal, yeah, surreal experience for me for him for him to refer to that thing on that morning. It was the only time he ever said anything like that. Um, but uh, and you know, I, I I don't really, I've never really thought to that I needed to explain what was actually going on. I just that that experience never really held much water for me after I really, after um, my belief in Satan started to fall apart because. I realized that every interaction, every kind of direct interaction with Satan that somebody talks about is completely antithetical to what Satan is trying to accomplish. Like (laughs) all of those experiences reinforce people's fealty to the church, fealty to God, fealty to the commandments. Like they're completely – they create the opposite effect of what Satan's going for. So it just seemed to me like such a ridiculous idea that Satan was actually doing those things. Right, right. We don't have a book by like Heber C. Kimball's brother who's like, and then I appeared into the army's eyes and I'm like, let me become one of you. And then I decided to serve Mammon from that point forward. Like nobody, there's no story where this actually works, right? It's right, always right. just like uh, my testimony overcame it and I'm the most righteous person ever, you know. Well, you're, right. you're assuming that the devils wanted to be seen, not that they were close to the veil and Okay, so, so, they, so, so but then knocking them over, like knocking them over, that's completely opposite to what I mean. That's that that goes against everything they're trying to accomplish. Well, okay, so, well, so they stop, did stop, 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 stop. What are they trying to accomplish? Let's let's define okay, that. Okay, what what right, are they trying right, to accomplish? A good question. What's Satan going for? And and with with these people that are dressed up like warriors, Mike, and maybe maybe they didn't intend to be seen. What were they doing? What are they trying to accomplish? They're causing despair and and taking joy away. How? Like they're, like they're dementors? Peace and, I I guess you could. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. That's pretty good though. They try to oh. they try to steal away happiness and peace and joy. And if they if their missions are always feeling bad and awful, they're going to want to go home. But Satan's smart, right? Like he knows this never works. He could just like rewind to the last apostle he tried it on, Who's and to it say just it re- doesn't work. Uh, history. How many missionaries have gone home because they feel awful and don't want to be in the field and they're whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you think so? We're talking think, that up to Satan. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's let's double click on that. So you're saying that that depression or feeling bad or is somehow we're just not seeing the full story because we, you know if there's a selection bias the ones that are written up in the inspirational books the church publishes or whatever are the ones where it just reverts back to and then my testimony was as strong as ever but you're saying there's just as many cases where it does work and that's what causes missionaries to go home well nobody's gonna publish a book and write a testimony that they gave up because they felt bad and went home so you're not gonna hear those stories Wait, okay, so uh, here, here's the question I have for Mike. Mike, uh-huh. what would happen to God's plan if Satan just gave up, said, we're shutting down the temptation department, we're cutting your funding, shut off the lights, <laughs> clean out your desk, we're done? That's not a bad way to go. What, what, would happen, what would happen to God's plan if Satan shut down operations? And Screwtape grabs his desk and just overturns it. I'm out of here. Um, right, no, exactly. I love that, uh, Jake. We got to do something with that idea because that's brilliant. <laughs> I love someone that else idea. would just take his place. Satan's not the source what? of evil. Whoa! Who? How? Wait, wait, wait. What? There's a third of the hosts of heaven that, that left with him. Who's to say there's not a right hand man? No, no. But what to the plate. What would happen if they all shut? What would happen to God's plan if they all stopped doing what they're doing? Stop the temptations. That's just it. God's plan is set up against chaos. And disorder and and so what would happen? Somebody else would idea. fill Satan's place. No, no, no. It, what if nobody's filled his place? What if they all collectively that's like, said, that's like We're saying, shutting it what, down? That's like saying, what would happen to rock if all the water on Earth disappeared? Rocks and trees and it, it, they're, they're, they just exist. It's not you're talking. No, no, no. About but what would away. so? No, what would no? I, I I think I think you're dodging the question. I mean, the the answer to this, in my mind, is. God's plan would fall apart. I mean, if we didn't have that tension, if we didn't have that opposition, if we didn't have a, a, an embodiment no, of temptation to pull against us, then— Then the temptation would be internal within ourselves. Satan, then why does— Satan is a prompter to something that's already in you. The idea what's, that, what's the point? Okay, go, go Bob. Go. I, I think—I'm going to TBM whisper this one. I think—I'm um, going to make up a theory, Glenn style— Satan isn't the original Satan, right? Because Satan gets smart and he realizes that that there are better options. But then when he tries anything, the next guy, the Commander Riker, to to Satan being Picard, make it so comes in and takes over. And there's a there's a pride issue with this third of the host of heaven, which ties back to Glenn's narrative. And so there's always this constant chain. We as humans don't know who Satan really is, but it's just this evil host of heaven that's just recycling through people fighting for power and getting through their pride. And so it's it's never going to not exist because that's who they are. That third host of heaven. They're they're a never ending chain of craziness in that way. Huh? Well, okay, but but the thing is, what is I guess my the the root of my question is, is Satan or a Satan figure, whatever secondhand person, Satan Junior, whatever, <laughs> is is the Satan figure necessary necessary for God's plan? Right, that's your real question. I I don't I think, think so. so because within yeah. us within us there's the Holy Ghost trying to prompt us, our own thoughts and ideas, and Satan prompting us. And if Satan's out of the picture, it's just you being prompted by the Spirit, but you're also prompted by your own internal desires. That you still have the pride in you. Also, why does man. it say? Why does it say when you sin that you're that you're given over to the buffetings of Satan? Like, why is he part? I mean, that's because that's like that's that's one of the consequences. I mean, that's written into that's the inverse of the commandment. Is if you break it, you're given over to the buffetings of Satan. But like, that's, isn't that's, that God relying on Satan? No, that's, that's punishment. That that's saying that that's like the equivalent of saying you're going to go and be tortured by Satan. 
Okay, that, that's your punishment, your hail, your hell. We, we, talk, we talked about intelligence as being energy wavelengths. All right, the Holy Ghost is on a certain wavelength. It's like you're tuning in a radio. And, Love it. And that's, that's what you're tuning in. Mm. When you decide to tune that out, then you're, you're latching on to another wavelength or energy source that's going to influence how you react and do things and think. And, and I don't understand how that addresses Jake's question. Because you're evil or bad ideas or whatever, like attracts like, okay? So if there's wicked spirits, then you're tuning into those wicked spirits and you be, you're becoming one of them. And you, you have this life to choose which energy wavelength you're going to operate on. Does that make sense? I, I, so, I, get, so, I, no, I don't no, understand it why it's an inevitability that you're tuning into them, though. Why, why, like, why, 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 why is there only two stations? That's the shittiest radio system ever. <laughs> there's not. There's lots there's of two plans. I, I'm trying to paraphrase what it says in DNC 93 without reading scripture, but it actually goes into that. Okay. DNC 93 and 88 both talk about that choosing spirits to and, and like attracting like and you bonding with these different things. Yeah, but you just said that if you're not on this, if you're not on the spirits frequency, then you're going to the evil frequency. Didn't you just say that? Well, yeah, you're. I, so there are only the simplest two ways. Yeah, that's the simplest way to put it. I could think of at the moment. So you're saying that a Satan is is required, or you're Mike? Sorry, you're saying a Satan is not required because the natural man, which we haven't really talked about yet, but I guess this is about Satan and hell, is powerful enough to accomplish. So the only thing that's really required is that Satan's original plan of compelling people in whatever way can't exist. But as long as we have freedom, we're going to screw up on our own. And Satan is just like uh, a bonus temptation that God's thrown into the mix because it makes it more fun to watch it play out, or um, why, if, if he's well, not needed, this is the what's thing. he here for? Think of this creative, the earth and and the spirits that are going to dwell on it are all part of a creative batch, all right? And everything, like a cookies? You, if you want to put it that way, you're baking something. Okay. But uh, everybody is is here until the time's completed and this earth is exalted. And once it's exalted, those that are not of that wavelength or celestial nature are are driven off or have to leave the area. But for now, Satan and all the other intelligences that were formed along with the material that made the earth are all mixed up together and all influencing one another. And everybody has to choose for themselves what type of person they're going to be. But so are our intelligences born... I mean, our intelligences, like, do they, is their default state contain some evil or some propensity to to gravitate towards the evil? Only the non-generals, Jake. Well, they well no, what I'm saying is, I mean, if, if, if we would be tempted whether or not, if we would, if, if we would be tempted morally whether or not Satan was there, then that means that there must be something within us, some, some sort of uh, frequency uh, receptor to the there's an evil frequency receptor within all of us that mm. we can tune in right yeah. is that is that what you're saying Mike being. is that the case well I heard it taught by a BBOU professor that we're commanded to teach our children light and truth now now truth is is pretty self evident but how do you teach a child light when you teach <laughs> when you teach it when you teach them to do choose righteousness and choose good things. That enables the Holy Ghost to dwell within them. And the more they have the Holy Ghost, the greater their capacity 
to receive light. All right, and that's how we are resurrected in different types of bodies. Those in this life who learn to seek after that light and truth, it increases their ability to receive the Holy Ghost and light so that they're resurrected in the celestial body or terrestrial body or telestial body. But so that doesn't really answer my question. We're, we're getting away well, from something that I, I wanted to talk about earlier. I'm afraid we're not going to get back to where it would be relevant. So, you know, oh, yeah, J- yeah, Jake, go ahead. Jake, one, one of the things that, that you asked, um, you know, like, w- why is a devil, the Satan, necessary in this world? This is another deep doctrine. This is an obscure thing that, like, my dad turned me on to. And I've talked about it before. I don't remember exactly what the source is. But this idea that in this batch of creation uh, in in the preexistence, that some spirits came to this earth, but there were actually, like, 12 other planets that they went to. You know, this is like the Battlestar Galactica theory <laughs> and that you know so like the 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 line that lucifer says in the temple you know i'm only doing that which has been done in other worlds it was kind of a reference to these other 12 but he he overstepped his bounds and so he became the the god of this world in a sense where he he had access but that this world is actually the most evil of all of these other you know 12 or 13 or however many it is Worlds, and so we're quarantined. The other twelve, they all know about each other. They they have interstellar communication and stuff, but we're out. And this planet was the only one that was wicked enough because the devil's here there to crucify is. Jesus. So even right. though Jesus we're is the atonement, only ones that would that would kill our God, yeah. And and so even though Jesus G- Jesus's atonement <laughs> covers the inhabitants of all of these you know twelve planets. He only visited this one, and and there is some scripture in the DNC where it talks about Jesus visiting each one in its hour or each in its season, and I don't know if it's it's seventy six or eighty eight. I don't know, but but th- this was like the basis for it that you'll see Jesus he does visit the other ones. But this was where he was born, raised in mortality. It kind of ties in. You're going to like this, Mike, to the Abrahamic covenant that, you know, <laughs> he was the, the, this was the lineage through which Christ was going to come and, and be a savior for all of the, the people of this earth. But, but anyway, so to, to, to your question, Jake, Satan wasn't on any of these other 12 planets just here. But on these other 12 planets, they still had right and wrong, you know, because you're, you're, you're put in situations where are you going to help the woman across the street? Are you going to help the little kid? You know, are you going to feed the guy who's hungry and, and clothe the, the, the naked, you know, all, all that beatitude stuff. You still can choose to do that or choose to be a selfish bastard. And that, that's mm-hmm. not anything that's really Satan induced, but Satan being there is like a, uh, a, a catalyst, or you know, like what? Wh- what are those things that you add that it speeds things up? I don't know. So, right that 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 was how I understood it in my atypical Mormon upbringing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and and I get what that is. Okay, so maybe Satan isn't necessary. Maybe he's just he's he's some sort of personification of this underlying evil that exists everywhere. This this the the absence of light well, or whatever you want to call it. But you, but you said that he isn't necessary. And so this was a conundrum that I had. This is something that I struggled with. Is he necessary or isn't he necessary? Because if you're going to say God needed one of these 12 planets to be wicked enough to actually crucify Jesus, 
then Satan's pretty necessary because you've got to have a place where you can send your only begotten son and actually have people be dickish enough to kill him. You know, so you've got to have Satan stirring people up there so they'll do it. And, and so in in your model, Jake, your thought experiment, if Satan and his minions just said, you know what, this is too much, we're going to go party on Venus, and they, they weren't hanging out here at all, then maybe we wouldn't have been wicked enough to uh, crucify Jesus, and that would have thwarted the entire plan because he wouldn't have been able to atone for our sins. He would have just, you know, I don't know what would have happened. But but so there was always this struggle. Is he necessary or isn't he necessary? I want to hear Leonard Nimoy in search of tell me about these other 12 planets. Well, you can, you can hear it at the beginning of the old Battlestar Galactica. Oh. There are those who believe that life here began out there. Far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. Did you ever so watch that, the old Battlestar Galactica where they talked about? I mean, oh, absolutely! Was, yeah. I had the toys and everything. Yeah, okay. Do you, but you don't subscribe to you don't subscribe to multiple planet theory that Glenn just went through. No. That's for Mike. Have you heard it, Mike? I, is this I've news never, to you? I've never ever heard that before. Really? Okay. Wait, wait. Which part? You've never heard that that we're the wickedest planet of all of God's planets to crucify Christ? This is the first time you're hearing that. I've heard people say that. The, the the atonement covers other earths and stuff like that and this is fascinating so this is an interesting cross-section of of bizarro doctrine that mike's like and now guys that's going too far like that's coming from you mike right i've heard elements of that like that, that we're the wickedest planet that would kill christ but i've never yeah, heard yeah. That there was like 11 other planets and and all that kind of stuff it and never you, made sense to me that the atonement would cover multiple worlds that doesn't make any sense to me why not? I think I think each creation Wait, did, is going to have to have its own savior. But but even the Book of Mormon says that it's an infinite atonement. What does that mean? It, within the sphere, everything is within the sphere. You know, that's not infinite. You know, Robert. You know who Robert J. Matthews is, right? The he, name sounds familiar. He, he he was one of the guys with Bruce R. McConkie who wrote. You know, when when they redid the the triple combination in the early '80s, and they added oh, the, the, the scripture headings the and the footnotes, yeah, yeah. yeah, he he was one of the main guys that that was part of that. And he was a, an institute teacher um, when I was at BYU, and I had him for a class. And so I cornered him after class one day, and I'm like, "Hey, I've got this question. So, you know how we had this whole plan of, in salvation, and uh, you know, we we basically chose between Jesus and." Lucifer, and then we got Jesus, and he comes down, and he does this atonement, and it's for the entire world, and it's an infinite atonement, right? Well, so we also believe that God had been immortal on an earth, so did Jesus's atonement atone for Elohim, the Father? The father? <laughs> you know, is it is it an infinite atonement, or or? Um, did did that plan have their own Jesus? And that's where I was leaning, because I was like, yeah, there's multiple Jesus figures in each one of these plans. Yeah, that's got to be it. And he totally shot that down. He's like, no, uh, Jesus' atonement did it. We don't know how it worked, 
but it, you know, one savior, one atonement, it's infinite for anybody who's ever lived uh, and ever will live. And we're good. See, that doesn't make this, any this that didn't make any sense to me either. And I'm like, that okay, this like guy a, sucks. I don't like him anymore. It's I'm infinite not within a sphere. It covers all sins within a sphere. It, it's not going to spread into other creations, other worlds. Everything's within the sphere. Other plans yeah. with other yeah. Jehovah's. Think, consider this: all the angels that we have in the scriptures are people that lived on this planet. See, they're okay. not coming from other worlds. They're they're from this planet within this sphere. Okay, let me let me let me read this since since you like to read scripture, Mike. And this is uh, uh, DNC eighty eight fifty one to sixty one. Okay, so so fifty one starts. Behold, I will liken these kingdoms. Correct. So so he's referring to something that he brought up earlier with kingdoms. So I, I like what I'm looking at right now just starts with fifty one. So I don't know what that previous reference is, but but he's saying I'll liken these kingdoms unto a man having a field. And he sent forth his servants into the field to dig the field. Uh, and what, what is it? And he said unto the first, first yeah. go ye and labor in the field. Yeah. And in the first hour I'll come unto you, and ye shall be the joy of my countenance. And he said unto the second, go ye and labor in the field. And in the second hour I'll come and visit you. And also unto the third, saying, I'll visit you. And unto the fourth, and so on, unto the twelfth. Ah. And the Lord of the field went under the first of the, uh, in the first hour and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so this is where that whole 12 comes oh, from. I gotcha. So, so you, you've got to, you've got to go back and look at where he's saying, I liken these kingdoms unto a man having a field. And what are the kingdoms? Because that's, that's something that was like, my dad was like, yeah, these are, oh, okay. oh in verse 61, uh, therefore under this parable, I will liken all these kingdoms and the inhabitants thereof. Every kingdom in its hour and in its time and in its season, even according to the decree which God had made. This kind of stuff blew my mind, you know, because I'd, <laughs> I'd look up at the sky at night and go, yeah, man, we're connecting dots. This is deep doctrine. Yeah. yeah? Except what you, what you described before about God and it, about, like, Jesus atoning for the Father, that actually reminds me of uh, – in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, yeah. where they decide to go back after the report. Uh-huh. Like, well, there's like, oh, we'll just do that after the report yeah. and like figure all these ways to get all these historical figures out of jail. Right. So right. maybe I'll, that was I'll, saying it. Maybe leave, God is Bill I'll or leave Ted. The kid. I'll leave the keys right there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knew they were that smart? Who knew? Who knew? As smart as Bill and Ted. Yeah. That's but, so but, but that's like God having the foreknowledge that the 116 pages were going to be lost. And so, you know, he, pre- he prepared a way with, way back in the past that Nephi would write the small plates to replace what had been lost on the large plates. Well, okay. All right. Now, when, are we going to talk about haunted houses and demons and stuff? Or I'm, I'm waiting for Matt. Matt has been like... Yeah. I'm like Jake. I'm like Jake in that me. I just thought of that <laughs> reference. Fuck this noise! I'm out of here. <laughs> I thought the best the best way to understand Satan would be to look at how he tempted Christ with the three temptations. But if you guys don't want to go into that, we can skip it. Yeah, it's like, how did he tempt Matt? That's what I want to know. Matt, how, Matt, Matt, what do you like? Me? Matt, Matt yeah. you're really excited to to be in this conversation tonight, I but it's not going the way that you wanted to go. You killed it for me. Yeah, so, so, I know. So what this is such a buzzkill boner killer. <laughs> I blame Mike. Mike, yeah. is, we, Mike is the ultimate boner killer. <laughs> Should we explain to the audience that Matt, of all of us, is the one who really deals with evil on a daily basis? 
Compared to the rest yeah, of us, I've we seen, don't know evil like Matt knows evil. Right. I have literally seen evil. <laughs> so this is like, meh, this is boring. No. I love I love the demon. I love the stuff today. Like Glenn was talking about like 15 minutes ago, the, the manifestations today, the supposed manifestations and the, the interactions with Satan and, and demons today. I love that stuff. Why? Why? What do you love about it? You know, I, why do I love it? Because it's like, you know, kind of that scary and, uh, and, and, you know, like I still love the paranormal activity movies. Love that uh, stuff. Even though I believe I don't, I don't buy into that stuff at all, but I love watching that stuff, man. Now, Matt, do you deal with the cartels? The, yeah. The Mexican, okay, tell us about Santa Muerte. Well, I, well, that's the the Santa Muerte that that we deal with is uh, that's it's a it's a symbol or a, a a guide of of the gang. So that's what they look for. That's what law enforcement will look for um, is is symbols like that when they're finding drug runners and those types of things. Yeah, now, for those who, who watch Breaking Bad, that's the little idol the two killers were crawling towards in that episode, and they go in there and make their little prayer before the... It's like a Virgin Mary with a death face. It's like yeah. a skull instead of Mary's face. So are, are you saying that that's the devil that they're worshiping, Mike? Well, you get, you get the cartel guys, they'll, they'll do these kidnappings, and they'll demand ransom, and a lot of times they'll sacrifice these kids to Satan. I mean, they do a whole satanic ritual and sacrifice them to get power from Satan to be better killers and and bloody, horrible people. Wow. Did that ever come up in anything that you do, Matt? Oh, well, no, that's a that's a urban legend. Not 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 an urban legend. Okay. I mean, it exists. It just doesn't exist enough to really talk about. You know, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know. People talk about it, but it's not it's not as prevalent as you might think. You know what I mean? It's nice to talk about. It's a nice little story. Nice for Breaking Bad movies, but it's it's less reality than. Well, I I heard it on an NPR episode where they were talking to one of these Mexican assassins that kills for the cartels. That he was saying that they do that. Uh, all right. It was on sure. a, it was on a news thing. Sounds real sure. to me. I I just don't think that's as that's uh, as prevalent. It's prevalent. Yeah, that, that that type of evil is you know it's it's sexy. It's kind of like the Satan. Is it, I was talking to Glenn and Randy last night about how in the eighties, you know, they they always talk about the 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 ritual abuse stuff, the satanic uh, sexual abuse that would go on, and and and, and it's kind of manifested in the um, was it the Martha Beck book, which is complete bullshit, by the way. We really need to review that book because it's it's complete bullshit. But uh, well, did they get some that, of it from Anton Lavey's books? <laughs> I'm not familiar with that, but that it's that type of stuff is it was out there, especially in the '80s, and it was sexy and it played, but it was so less prevalent the, than the real evil, which was real sexual abuse going on every day between you know uh, fathers and uncles and brothers and these types of things. So I think that type of stuff sells, but it's not really as prevalent as we would maybe think. You know, it's media uh, kind of begetting that. But I still love the demon stories. I love that that stuff. So, Mike, you mentioned the the Wilford Woodruff stuff. That that guy was just like the veil was completely thin, and and he was always having uh, spirit or spirit and and other world experiences, right? Oh, yeah. He I, one of the stories I remember was he was going down the street and he saw someone's daughter, and he said, "You know, I haven't seen your father since he died. That that's odd to me." You know, he was he was just he told her he's used to seeing spirits and talking to the dead, and 
and he was surprised he hadn't seen this girl's father yet. So apparently the, the veil for Elder Woodruff was very thin. Yeah, or he was just saying, I don't know how that... I haven't no, seen your father lot, since he died. About, that's, that's weird. There's a lot of stuff about Wolf or Woodruff people used to say how, how amazing he was. But, but like, so Matt was just lobbing you a softball, Mike, to tell, like, a demon story. And you went to this, like, really lame Wilford Woodruff talking to somebody on the... You know, come on. Don't you, don't you have, like, a good, juicy demon story? Of Wilford Woodruff's? Whoever's just give me a demon story. You know, did you ever hear that one? Well, there's a great, did you hear that there's a great. One? No, hold on, here, let me ask you this: Have you all heard that one about? It was either a stake president. It might have been, you know, one of the church leaders when he was a stake president. Came home, came out of the uh, the church doing some business, and he looks up and he sees just this uh, the legion of demons coming down on him. And he turns around because he's so scared, and he sees this other just this whole group of angels coming in to to, uh, to kind of back his play yeah. and, and defend him. Has anyone heard that I, story before? I heard that about the MTC. Okay. And that, that he was like an MTC. He was the president of the MTC, and he came one night, and he saw that, that you know, there was a standoff. You know, it was like the armies of the Satan that were just totally overwhelming. But then you had... Uh, these light angels that are, you know, surrounding the MTC and, and wouldn't let them in. You know, something like that. But, yeah. Yeah. There's a story of the guy from Logan Temple, uh, the president right. of the temple. Yeah, you know that one? I, 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 It's familiar. Go ahead and tell it. It sounds to me like a dream he had, but he's saying it actually happened, or people say it actually happened. He's looking out the window of the temple, and he sees a bunch of wagons and people coming up, and he's wondering, well, there's a lot of people. How am I going to – those are the days you could actually stay the night in the temple and stuff. He's wondering, what am I going to do with all these people? He goes out, and it turns out – he said it was Satan himself, and all these others were his minions, and they, they were talking about how they're going to stop the work of the temple, and he'd better watch it, and he's going to kill See, them guy- the church. He's full of himself, right? Because, you know, that's what you do when you're like, and it was, I, I don't know why Satan picked me. It's probably because I'm going to be an apostle soon, but he needed a whole army, and that's what I saw, and I'm super strong. Please promote me. Well, I, I, what order was the Logan Temple as far as temples being built? Uh, I, I know St. George was the first, and then I don't know where Logan it's comes in, but he's saying early that on. Satan wanted to stop the work, and so he raised his hand to the square and commanded them to leave. Sure, I'm sure he did. He looked around, they all disappeared. That's his story. Yeah. I have the same story because I want to be an apostle. <laughs> There's a great little add-on to when they had that open vision. They talked about uh, they could hear the sound from them, the evil spirits, like the grating of teeth quite plainly. And this is Orson speaking. He says, after you overcome by them and had fallen, their awful rush upon me with knives, threats, impre- imprecations, hellish grins, Amply convinced me that there were no friends of mine. While you were apparently senseless and lifeless on the floor and upon the bed after we had laid you there, I, Orson, stood between you, Heber, and the devils and fought them and contended with them face to face until they began to diminish in number and to retreat from the room. This is the part I love. Hey, hey, Matt, how, how hard's your boner right now? It is. It's inverted. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like, anytime Mike reads, it's just... This is the good part. The, the last imp then turned around to me as he was going out and said, as if to apologize and appease my determined opposition to them, I never said anything against you. I replied to him, thus, it matters not to me whether you have or not. You are a liar from the beginning. In the name of Jesus Christ, depart. And he left. But I love where the last little guy turns around and says, I didn't do anything wrong. 
<laughs> That's just my favorite part of the whole story. I can just picture this last little imp. So, what, so what, the, what, what do you guys make at stories like that? I mean, like, what the hell are they? It's complete bullshit that they're just making them up. <laughs> but, it's like people would be like, Oh, well, this, is, yeah. this is Joseph Fielding and Orson Pratt. And yeah, so I, so are these stories no, you know the that they told you? first person, or are these stories that were told about first them later? That, this is a collection of all their quotes. The guy put them in kind of an order. So yeah, this is but, everybody who was actually there saying this is what happened. But, but it's his recollection of things that they had said. It was, you know, I love the one. I love the one about. I think it was Heber C. Kimball who talked about something very similar to that, where he cast out some devils and they were all running, you know, they were cast, they were going away and the last one turned around and was like, you know, I'm sorry. And he yeah. cast it out again and he said, if I would have shown any empathy towards that devil, they would have come rushing back. That stuff, I, I just love that type of bullshit, man. <laughs> Wait, so is that what you wanted to do, man? It's just like, say a story and then he, and then he tells a story and you're like, that's bullshit. No, I didn't want to say bullshit. Let me tell you the other one I love. Here's one, Jake. Fuck you, Jake. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was getting good. But I love that. I love that stuff. That stuff used to give me such a charge. I remember the one that, the one that used to give me just like goosebumps all the time. It was a story about a Ouija board and how the kids were playing with the Ouija board and they were doing all this stuff. And this guy walks in and the Ouija board just dies. It just won't work at all. And they're like flipping out like, what's going on here? What's going on, right? And the the guy leaves uh, from the – they're like at a party, you know, drinking, whatever. The guy leaves and then the Ouija board comes up again. And they ask it, where did you go? And it said, priesthood, right. scared. Right. <laughs> I love that stuff, dude. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one, right? Now, the one I always remember is the missionary that went swimming. And oh, no. They couldn't pull him out of the water, and he got sucked in and drowned. <laughs> How is that your favorite story? That's awful. <laughs> they go to pull him out. They can't pull him out of the water. Like, Satan's has power over the waters in the last days, and he pulls this missionary in and kills him. That's a horrible demon story, Mike. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, this is the same time. I, I think that's the same time where uh, after we had encamped upon the bank of the river at McKellen's Bend, Brother Phelps, in open vision by daylight, saw the destroyer in his most horrible power right upon the face of the waters. Others heard the noise but saw not the vision. And uh, I think that's when the God was allowing Satan to bring the disease along the water to... Oh, that was nice of God to allow Satan to do that because because like Satan was asking God a long time and God kept saying nope 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 but then he's like gosh would you just stop bugging me go ahead and do it take the disease right okay so here's here's a story that uh, I, I I didn't hear this uh, when I was a missionary but when I was working in the folklore archives at BYU and I was indexing all of the missionary folklore. This was one one of my favorite stories that kept popping up, that there's two missionaries, and one of them decides that he's going to prove the existence of God by praying to the devil, because he knows that God's not going to appear to him if he asks him to. But if he can flatter the devil, he can actually trick him into appearing to him, and then when he sees him, he'll know for sure that there's a God because he's seen the devil. That That's his, his logic. And so, this was in the church archives, you said? No, the the folklore archives. Oh, so okay. so what 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 Bert Wilson would do? He would have his students collect uh, stories every year from like 1963 
um, until, you know, when I was reading this in like 95, 96. So there, there was oh, this wow. whole catalog of stories that had been collected and, um, you know, submitted to this. So I, I, I cataloged them and indexed them. But anyway, so, so this is, awesome. this is, there, there were tons of versions of this. The, the missionary, you know, one missionary goes in and he like locks himself in the room because he doesn't want, you know, his companion to stop him. And he prays to the devil. And, you know, the, the one that's on the outside, he finally like gets in and he knocks down the door. And in some versions, the, the missionary is like dead, but his face is totally like old man and long white hair. Um, in some versions, he actually sees like a black horse riding away through the window. But my favorite version of this uh, the, the, the missionary who was praying to the devil actually did it in the bathroom in the bathtub. And when the missionary found him, he was frozen in a block of ice, like the whole tub. It just like frozen over. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So like, you think you can fool the devil. You think you can outsmart him. He'll get you. So don't even, don't even risk it. Elders that, that, that's my favorite, like demon demon story but i like i said i never actually heard that when i was on my mission but i, I don't know so, if it's still around that's fantastic yeah that's a great story yeah question that i have is how integral is satan and the devil to mormon theology because the way that mike is talking about it it's you know he's not necessary he's not i always thought that satan was necessary for god's plan to work because you needed to have this tempting force but uh, you know, if that's not the case, how how integrated is it really the doctrine of Satan, and in what ways, like, is it really uh, in the bloodstream? I guess. Well, the more the more you understand how he works, the better you understand the purpose of the plan of salvation, what God's objectivity is. Um, See, I, I'm I feel like the more we've talked about this, the less sense God's plan makes. <laughs> really. I don't know if it's just me. Well, look at the way he tempted Christ. Um, you know, Christ fasted 40 days and he comes up and says, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Why would Satan use that as a temptation with the Savior? What what penalty, what bad thing is he get, trying to get Christ to do? Break his fast. Stones, make, well, break his fast. The fast is over. The fast is over. So what's the point of trying to tempt him to turn stones to bread? But what, didn't Christ say something like, I can't tempt uh, God or, or don't, don't was, live by bread alone? Oh, that, I was, think that was it. It was selfishness that he would actually do something for his own self-aggrandizement. Because it's okay to turn, you know, loaves of bread and fish and, you know, do miracles like that when it's feeding masses of people, but not for himself. Right. He's, he'd be using the priesthood in an improper manner to feed a, a selfish appetite. I was right. So, you were right. Wow. Yeah, it, way to go. An abuse of power. The, the, pro, the thing so was, Christ was that. to wait for a meal, and he's supposed to have it at the right time and the right way. And so you're supposed to control your bodily appetites for things like sex until it's the right time and the right way and the right manner. Missionary. Because, yeah. because salvation <laughs> comes to those who, who, through discipline and sacrifice, you have to, you have to do things in the proper order. But 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 I but I still think Mike that you're just kind of going to your default. I wanted to talk about these things, so I'm going to squeeze it into this spot. But you're not really answering Jake's question. I about, am answering the question. But I don't, why, I don't get why, it. why would Satan want us to? Why would Satan prompt our appetites? What, but but no how no does, no. That's not what I said. How does this? How does? How is Satan uh, integral to the doctrine of Mormonism? Because 
I have it on the. I tip my tongue. I'm trying to put so, the so proper way to because say it. he's trying to tempt us against our natures. Like here's here, here, here's the thing. Like knowing about Christ, like that 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 fulfills a very specific function within the you know within the theology of Mormonism to complete God's objectives. Knowing about Christ, learning about Christ, knowing about the atonement, knowing about these you know, some of these other things. I don't understand really if Satan isn't integral to God's plan as a in filling that role of tempter and and the person providing the opposition in all things I don't understand why he's even uh, how important is he really in Mormon theology I mean is right. he kind of a disposable part he, well, he, he kind of is always a Satan well, no, but can't you teach somebody the six discussions and just like leave out Satan and they get baptized and they come to church and like, what's the big deal? What's the difference? Yeah, yes, that's the question I have. Why does Satan's in the six discussions? Is he? Even more to the point, then. <laughs> no, he said no, yes, he is absolutely. He's in. They talk about Satan. Satan's out there oh, tempting us all the time. We need might to fight against it. Satan's yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. In the plan, the second, the second lesson, lesson two, and preach my gospel is about the plan of salvation. And there's a whole section in the pre-mortal existence and how Satan fought against God, and Satan is the antithesis of God's plan. But what you're saying, Mike, it seems like is he's not the antithesis of God's plan. He's just somebody that embodies what happens when you don't follow God's plan. So that that would make him a, an integral part. Is this is what could happen to you? You could turn out like this person, or so he, he's what, a living cautionary tale, and that's the role that he go. plays. Excellent word wordage there. Oh, so he's just he's just a fear tactic then. It's a scare tactic. Well, he's an example. That's Bad a scare one. tactic. He's a mascot. Right? He's a mascot for evil. He's, he's, yeah, he's the so. So you're saying that even within Mormon theology, his primary role is as a scare tactic. Well, I don't. It's kind of a weird thing we think about because he's he's a real person. So to just use him as a scare tactic is oh, but but that the, like so God is using him. Mm, so God, so God, is God using so him? God, See, that's what I was saying yeah, before. So, you said that we, that he wasn't. I don't know. That's a weird way to think about it. I don't. I don't well, think but, about but, it that way. But but you're the one who said that God allowed him to bring the disease through Mississippi, so uh, th- there there must have been some way that Satan was fulfilling part of God's plan to disease people in Mississippi. That's it. That's if you can count Satan as the destroying angel. I wonder if they're the one and the same because they they they're listed in my God and Satan. Joseph Smith. They're listening in my in my Joseph Smith's teaching is the destroyer was Satan upon the waters, but I don't know that. So what about the, the destroying angel is Satan? What about the 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 Satan in the story of Job, and and the role that that Satan plays? Because that's that's always a different kind of Satan than you're normally used to. Because he was like oh, still yeah. on, in the council of heaven, and he was hearing the plans, and you know he kept waiting after the meetings to go, hey God, could we talk? I got this idea. <laughs> I, I really, I really, and, and like in that story, Satan is like a, a, a destroying angel. He has a role in God's counsel that's, that's kind of like a, 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 an evil role or a destroying role, but it's not the guy that's been kicked out of heaven. I can tempt this man to the point he will fall. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's proposing. Uh, you know, like a, a a business plan to God. He's like, I I, I think we could do this. I, I I can do this. Let me do this. I want to I want to prove to you that I can turn this guy. 
I can, I can make him suffer. And God's like, eh, no, 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 no. It's kind of like that bet in trading places. <laughs> so, I don't know. Did I take that too far off track? No, Jake? no, no. I, I think that that, that, well, I think that goes further to say that the, it seems like Satan is an integral part of God's plan, which it, there there are there are cases in which God seems like is using Satan in as part of his plan in which it like in those cases I think that it seems like wouldn't the strategic decision from Satan's point of view be to uh, be to pursue non-engagement to choose not to run well see I always saw it as if we're ever exalted to to reach the father's status when we go to form our own worlds we're going to have to deal with our own Satan's there's always going to be someone like that with that mentality that doesn't think the plan is fair, that we're all victims, that they have a right by birth to be exalted. Mike, so can, I request, be, can I request to be your Satan? <laughs> I want to be your Satan, Mike. No, because you're, you've already been an intelligence that's turned into a spirit. You won't go back to an intelligence that might conform oh, you into right. a spirit and then you become his Satan. So, uh, All right, all right. Fine, fine, fine. This life is the time to prepare. You don't get a second chance. Okay. But we're always going to be confronted with this mentality that I have a right to this. You can't take this from me. Uh, you're not fair. I deserve this. Uh, you're, you're being mean to me. Isn't that basically uh, political conservatism? <laughs> You can't take this from me. This is mine. It's not fair. I, I, I was thinking of the Occupy movement, but you can put it however you want. Oh, okay. All right. But that, that to me is you're always going to have those spirits and those minds that you have to contend with that are going to be screwing up the plan of salvation because they don't think it's fair. And so Satan is just an example of the same thing we're going to have to deal with someday, just like the Father has to deal with. But, but, but in that case, the ones that we have to deal with will be examples for our uh, posterity through all generations of time and throughout all eternity that also have to deal with it, which will be symbols for their generations of time. That's what I'm saying. Evil always exists. It's Is there like a Satan there. lounge? <laughs> like, like, like post game, like, you know, final judgment and everything. Is there like a fine? Is there like a, a Satan lounge where everyone can you know, outer Satan's go into outer darkness. All right, it's like the sounds like, sounds like a night school. Right, it sounds like a sounds like a nightclub. <laughs> it's the smokers across from the high school in the corner. Oh, okay, the stoners. All right, Matt. All right, good luck, Jake. Matt, are you ready to to wrap it up? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, our just, our yeah. Just, this was a lot better last night. Was, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> it, it was popping a little bit more, which is just yeah. Just, it was, yeah. Man, I, don't I don't know why. It's a, it's a little maybe a little maybe flat. we built it up too much. Maybe, they they yeah, can't all be hit. So yeah. sexy. Ah, I felt like it was gonna be so sexy, and instead it was like some chick came in and like I don't know garments. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, all right. I guess I don't. Everyone's well, saying that this sucked. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, apparently, I'm the one that fucked it up because no, 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 no. it wasn't. It, that's not. It's not you. It was. I'm glad you like. If you liked it, Glenn. If you liked it, Jake. There are going to be people that liked it. So cool. I'm a mouth breather. Reading. What can I say? Too much reading. No, no I. Just, I don't know. I, apparently, we didn't get into the juicy stuff enough. 
But it's not Halloweeny. I wanted something Halloweeny. <laughs> but when we did do that, we like got into the, the Halloweeny part, and then we're like, "Uh, bullshit!" And then oh, that was it. It's right? Not <laughs> it's not. That was one of the stories. But then I told another story, and everyone was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then it was like, "Nah." Now you, you don't have any. Here. You don't have any demon stories, uh, Jake. Yeah, I told one. I told a demon yeah. story from my own from my own mission. <laughs> Matt just went bad. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't very good. I felt scared. My companion said something the next day, and that was it. But you know, whatever. Yeah, I, and do. here's the problem. Here's what it is. I I love these movies and these stories, and I have had nothing even close. The closest thing I had is one Halloween after I was married, probably ten years ago, and this toy started just going off on its own and it was like happy halloween <laughs> and i was like freaking out i was like this thing's possessed <laughs> whatever why is it going off for no reason I, it was off it was like turned off oh, so I'm thinking, this is like poltergeist type stuff right <laughs> and i have to this day have no explanation for it other than there was kind of some lightning without rain and i'm assuming some sort of an electrical charge kind of triggered it that was scary scary as hell man <laughs> Because I've, I believe I've in that to, stuff, man. I've had to bless my house before. I, oh, I here we go. Come home. Talk about that. I just I, I came home from a trip, and you could feel this presence in the house. Why? And so I, who, who? I dug up my, my manual and how to do a proper house blessing. and A proper one. going to bless the house. What do you think happened? There's a manual for it? It's in yeah, your uh, – it don't you have your little white book? In your oh, machine? right, right, right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Good stuff. So I, and how to dedicate graves and, and all that good stuff. So what, what do you think happened, Mike? I blessed my house and it felt better. Well, I blessed the house and, and the foul little feeling that was in it went But away. how did it get there in the first place? You guys were on vacation and something just moved in while you were gone? Or did, like, I was did like local, there. local kids break in and they were looking at Playboys and smoking cigarettes? <laughs> you know, like what happened? Someone I, I planted a Ouija board. Just, right. It was there when I got home and, and we had to get rid of it. So You felt better after? Felt better after. Wow. Placebo effect. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had an my exciting team. thing in my mission. They, uh, we were near Alistair Crowley's house in Scotland, and my companions all get, got in a car and went to Alistair Crowley's house. But uh, they said nothing happened. Yeah. So. Okay. So, so me, and I, I, I think I touched on this last night, Matt, when we, when we talked with Randy. Um, I, had, I had two experiences that really, really scared me, and I thought that the devil was influencing me and they were both dreams and and one huh. one I, I was i was standing in the driveway at my dad's house i was probably 16 when i had this dream 16 17 years old i was standing in the driveway and i saw a car drive by and just as i was like seeing it drive close to the house i knew there was something really bad with this car and i just had this sense of dread and as he drives by <laughs> the guy turns and looks at me and it was nitty from the untouchables do you remember that guy on the untouchables that like kills sean connery he's, oh, he's skinny yeah. and he's got like these sharp teeth and he just yeah. looks like, <laughs> wears this white suit he's just awful looking and he turns and he looks at me and he goes <sighs> And, and I went, oh, crap, I've got to get back inside the garage. And so I walk inside the garage, and there are three punk rockers that are in there waiting for me and two of my friends from high school. And we start 
fist fighting with these punk rockers and it goes into slow motion and i realized these aren't really punk rockers with purple hair and earrings and tattoos and all the punk rock stuff they're evil spirits and so uh, in my dream i raise my arm to the square and say in the name of jesus christ i command you to leave and i wake up in the bed with my arm to the square saying yeah and as i and as i woke up from it i felt this heavy presence being lifted from from me and i'm like okay yeah i just was attacked by evil spirits and then i i had another one similar to it when i was in the mtc where like i was at a baseball stadium but it was totally empty and i was walking through one of the corridors and i just heard a voice say something to me and i don't remember what it was but i knew it was the devil and he was there for me and so I raised my arm to the square, and, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave, and you know, woke up the exact same way that I had before. Those are the only two experiences that I ever had like that. And you know, now I totally recognize them as the you know sleep paralysis and, and that sort of thing is just a very realistic dream. But uh, yeah, that, I, I interpreted them as devil attacks at the time. Well, when we bought our house that we're in now, we've been in it for 10 uh, nine ten years, the the people we bought it from were members of our ward, uh, real good friends. He was the young men's president, and I I was the uh, one of the counselors, and, and we were real close together. They moved. I, I bought the house, and they very seriously sat us down when we bought it and said, "Look, we we really want to be uh, candid with you that we believe the house is haunted." Mm-hmm. Uh, but did they say sign here first? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, they, they, they were, were very, very serious, yeah. very earnest, and we're like, okay, well, tell us about your experiences. And and the wife is the one who said, you know, I'm the one, I'm the one that's experienced the most. And she talks about how late at night when she goes to the kitchen in the living room, she always sees this image walking past the kind of the archway. It's it's not really a kind of this weird archway that that goes into the into the living room. And I always see this uh, this this robe. It, it looks like a girl that with a robe and just kind of walking by there. And you know, I, at the time, I didn't know what to think about it other than, okay, I believe these people. These aren't freaks. These aren't people that I – I mean, these are, these are real good friends that seem pretty reasonable. So, oh, that's, that's kind of scary. We'll just bless it with the priesthood, blah, blah, blah. It'll be fine. And sure enough, I get in there and a few months in, I'm going to the um, – going to the kitchen late at night kind of lights out and i do see this thing and it did freak me out and i have no real explanation for it, it hasn't happened since then but i had so much fun that night it was so great i was like we're it's haunted it's so awesome <laughs> <laughs> okay that you want to hear in my reaction you want to hear my haunted house story you guys are going to hate this you're going to hate this story and i think i think i've told it before but when I started having conversations with Krista the Psychic, you know, mm-hmm. like some of them I published here, most of them I haven't. And one, one we were talking, uh, and, and I was just playing around, you know, like most of the time, just playing around. And I'm like, so why don't you do like a quick remote scan of my house and just tell me uh, if, if there's anything here? And she's like, yeah, you do. You've got you've got like a, a a spirit that's living there, and I'm like, okay, where where is it? Like, try and tell me. Now, I already knew my my daughter had told me that there's this spirit, this of a little five year old girl named Clara, who lived in that and like communicated with her and stuff. You know, so I'm like testing Krista as I'm doing this. And I'm, I'm asking, like, where in the house is it? 
and she says, um, it's upstairs. You've got like this one, it's, it's in a room upstairs. Uh, you know, it wasn't like completely specific, but it was specific enough that it was kind of the same place that my daughter had told me. And I asked her to describe, so tell me what is this? It's like a little five-year-old girl, total bullseye. And she goes, she said, she said, sometimes she comes down to your room and watches you when you're sleeping. (laughs) And even though I was just totally playing around with the whole thing, my whole body just went. (laughs) I love, I freaking love that, dude. I love that stuff, man. Yeah. So, So there were times there were like when I went to bed that night, I had to have all the lights on in the house. You know, and like walking in there, and then I'm like, okay, no, this is stupid. And I'm like, am I going to say anything? Like, okay, Clara, it's okay. It's all right. You're welcome. Yeah, you're here. safe. No. Yeah, right. Go to the other side. Well, no, that does bring up a thing. Don't now, go to I the will, light, Clara. Let's, <laughs> let's merge these, these kind of demon stories with the doctrinal stuff. And, Mike, this is where you can come in. I had always heard, and I remember, that the spirit world is here. Is that right, Mike? Right. So the spirit world is our world. So, the, so these, these departed spirits, these our loved ones and other people who are dead are around us and with us all the time. So the idea of having these spirits and having some interactions isn't that far-fetched under Mormon theology. Is that fair? Yes. That's it? I get a yes? Can you explain I, yeah, that keep further? Going. <laughs> how, how does that... How does that deal with the veil and other things? And can they watch us? Are they watching us like have sex? Are they watching us like shower? I would. Types of things. I, just I honestly <laughs> don't know that part. But I mean, oh, I, but, but everything you said was correct. I mean, I mean it's, it's all around us. And yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't you? you? But they're separate. Like they, they, they might be around us, but they're in a different dimension. And so it's not like they can see us. Why not? Because yeah, there's, there's a veil. Because there's a veil. No, that's but a one-way then, veil. It's like one-way glass. No. We can't see them. Where, where yeah, are you getting that from? Yeah, we can't see them. Where, they can see us. Where are you getting that from? I'm getting it from ghost stories. Like, I mean, if they're charging at you and they're they're around you, like, how would they know they're around humans? That's very that's convenient true. that they're stuck he, around people. See, but the like, story... The account we gave where they saw, they saw the demons coming at them? I mean... Yeah. But, what but, that okay, but, the, but here, here's... There's a difference between a demon and a ghost. You know, like, <sighs> like a, a demon you're talking about in Mormon theology... One of the third of the hosts of heaven that never came to earth and had a mortal body and then died. But, oh, but, I see what you're saying. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But a ghost in in Mormonism is somebody who lived and then they died and they're either in spirit paradise or spirit prison. But so, like when you talk about that, this earth is the is the spirit world. There's not like a single spirit world because there there's paradise where people there's that are two. baptized. Been, and then there's prison, which you know people that haven't been baptized are in. But then evil people. But then evil no, no, no. But then there's a, there's got to be like a third one that is is just like among us. That's the demons, the evil spirits, because they're not stuck in like the the third of the host of heaven. They're not stuck in spirit prison because they're able to access us and and well, tempt us. Is, is prison is the spirit prison in paradise a state of being or an actual place? Well, it's a place because it's a place because Jesus went and visited the spirits that were in prison. Yeah, but were they in prison like in a spiritual sense where he he told them that well, there was an atonement and what 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 are you, what are you going for, Mike? Because the answer is it's probably nothing. It's probably neither. But that that's <laughs> not, that's not one of your options that you've given me. 
No, but what's just, the relevance? Why does it matter if it's like a state of being or an actual location? Whoa, what was that movement? I just, I, I moved my phone across the bed. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. It was loud. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, carry on, carry on. But I just thought, is it a, is it a mentality that uh, I'm trapped here? Or there's, is there a difference between understanding where you are that makes you free? And that you're you're accepted by God. That's the paradise, as opposed to, yeah. You you think of a building as a prison. Okay, so you're, but that's not mutually exclusive. You're just talking about the people in the top half versus the bottom half. What are, what is their state of being? But we still haven't determined it's exactly how they coexist on the planet with us and with the demons, which are from the one third of the host of heaven, which pop in and out sometimes. So there's like three different types of matter-based bodies in different spheres there's that are all three. bumping into each other. There's more well, than three, I, because you've got angels as well. Oh, I yeah, wonder sure. if there's laws governing where they can go, where they can't go. The three or four categories. And if it's like different highways have been constructed in a way that, you know, you can't go out of your own lane or something, I don't know. Well, I also wonder if, if people are, are more spiritual, if it would harm the evil spirits to be near them. So that we wouldn't want to be around someone that has the Holy Ghost, so they would they would not be around that area. No, it's the opposite. I thought people who are the most righteous, ha- Satan has the most... Uh... Well, that's Satan's minions, but oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm spirits confusing. that have died. Yeah, see, this is where theology just doesn't exist, except for we all pretend it sort of does, and then we make <laughs> shit up. <laughs> that's the problem. Mormonism gives you just like a taste. It's just like, it's just the tip of the iceberg or something else (laughs) (laughs) it's for you jake why why me i don't know i I don't know i can recognize your laugh that's yeah that was stupid edit that out (laughs) (laughs) done all right are we done sure Every single one of us, the devil inside, devil inside, devil inside. Every single one of us, the devil inside. Hi, this is Brandon from rainy Seattle, the Emerald City of the Northwest. One time while growing up in Utah, I rode the Colossus roller coaster at Lagoon 16 times in a row without barfing. And sometimes I can be pedantic, but at least I'm nice about it. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com, and if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did on June 21st, 2014. See, told you I could be pedantic. Anyone for the closing prayer? Whereas with you, Whereas with Mike, you, we Mike, always know we you're, always serious you're serious, and, serious and, you and you back your shit back up. Your shit I mean, up. you just <laughs> <laughs> stick hard, hard and firm. You, and say, firm, you say something say racist or homophobic, and then the next day you're like, not only that, but this. <laughs> Has that gotten any better, Mike? Are you less, like, I was militantly... dang close to being... <laughs> just the other day on Facebook, I'm a part of a comic book group where they talk about stuff. And somebody brought up the gay Batwoman. And I said awesome. that I had no There's business being in comics. Yes. And so I, I brought up that I had no business in the comic book and blah, blah, blah. And I almost got 
expelled from the room. Like there was a lot of people sending the room host messages like, throw this guy out of here. Why, why is there no room for that in the comics? Because I can go back to the 80s in the back issue bins and pick up any book from any company and hand it to my kids and be content that there's nothing in there that they're going to find offensive or bad. And you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm I'm sorry. I read comics and there are some fucking dark. You can't. There's no way you could hand your kids Watchmen and say that that is like, like, I mean, there are serial killers. There are super villains who murder thousands of people. And then you say that there's no room for gay people in comics. But but Watchmen's and and you can't count that. That's That's like rated R. That that was it said right on the cover for mature readers only. It was part of the uh, Elseworlds. You need that disclaimer for gays? <laughs> for mature readers only. There's a gay person the, in this one. The standard books that they hand out, you know, general publishing, not the Elseworlds epic illustrated stuff. You can't okay, so Watchmen. I don't know, but there's some really dark Batman, too. Like, there's – there's. I've read some Batman from the 80s, and it's – you know, it's it's no it's no picnic. Like, there's some serious shit going down, murders it, it, left and right. It's a lot worse now. You go into a shop now and just pick up any of the standard books, and it's it's. Wait, wait, bad. because of violence or because of homosexuality? Just the, to violence is pretty bad. There's a lot of gay characters now. There's one in Batgirl that's like by the kid's girlfriend's boyfriend's going back and forth. There's that, that's Batgirl. That's a kid. That's a book you'd pick up for your daughter, and you can't do that anymore. What if your daughter's by? Uh, there's that one in a hundred chance that possibly she is. Oh, okay. that's a better statistic than the last time you were on. Oh, that is point eight last time I was on. Two of our older brothers were there, Jesus and Satan. Satan was the first one to speak. He said. I have a plan. It'll save every man. I will force. Like father and mother 